Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Hasbro Podcast. And with me I have my usual co-host, Norm Sirik. How are you doing, Norm? Pretty good, and you? Oh, I can't complain. And yourself, Jonathan? Oh, a lot better in Kingston than things are in Montreal, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's not saying a whole lot though, is it? <laughs> not really, I guess, but it is. I'm doing great, thank you, Mike. All right, well, uh, we've got a few things to discuss here today. We've got uh, kind of state of the season, uh, playoff hopes or sellers, buyers or sellers come the trade deadline, that kind of thing. And uh, then we'll get into trade value of some of our players and maybe discuss what went wrong this season because uh, it seems like there's more wrong than right. So uh, let me just throw it out there uh just to get it in the air, does any either one of you guys think that uh, we have the slimmest chance of making the playoffs now? Go ahead. Jump in there. Both feet. Um, well, I have to say that uh, I, I think they have no chance, not unless a bunch of teams withdraw from the season. So, you know, they fold their franchise and then Montreal's got, maybe got a shot. But 10 points out with, you know, five teams to pass or six teams to pass at this point. I just don't see it happening. Like, if you look last night, how many games went to overtime or a shootout? It's not like that's not going to happen for the rest of the year. You're going to see all those teams in that 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. They're going to be going to an overtime or shootout two or three times a week, and it's just going to be impossible to hop over all those teams. So I know it's tough, and after every game, you see the message boards, and people are upset and furious and getting riled up about what Paul Gostad said to Max Pacioretty, but... You know, at this point, every loss is a victory, long-term victory. It's tough to watch, okay. and it's it's a long season. I found myself last night pausing the Canadians game and flipping over to watch the more exciting Leafs game or the Philadelphia Jets game even. So it's a tough thing to do, but uh, every loss is a victory. I got to say, Jonathan, you got to be in the minority because I don't know, I don't know any Montreal fans that uh, – that feel the same way, to be honest. I find it's so hard for me to actually admit that the season is gone. And uh, uh, it's, it's staring me right in the face because there's, there's no way they're coming back now. But <laughs> I, even I have a hard time admitting it. Uh, what, do you, what about you, Norm? Yeah, I'm I'm more of a believer now than I was. I mean, I I tried my my uh, my darndest to be optimistic this year, even during some of those terrible losing streaks. But uh, I'm ready to throw the towel in right now. But, I mean, it all comes down to uh, the way the the team has reacted, especially lately. You know, they've been so manic depressant. They've been they've lost two, they win two. You know, at the losses, some of them look like they're they're completely out of it. Uh, and then, well, last night's was a loss, but. As well, as well, but the uh, I'm thinking about the last five games. Uh, I'm going back just to the time where we finished off our last podcast to kind of put it in in uh, time span. But um, it, it's one of those. This season has been such a, a, a crazy roller coaster. I, I think we all agree there. More downs than ups too. Uh, it's but yeah, I'm I'm definitely in the camp now of, of throwing in the towel. I never thought I'd. I'd say that at this point what are we at about the 50 game mark or something yeah, yeah 50 games exactly yeah last night yeah. was number 50 and you look they've now won 19 out of the first 50 games that's pathetic yeah. that's less than 40 percent uh, it is i mean i haven't felt this low since the rajon ul era basically you know after they traded away raw <laughs> yeah. had some terrible terrible teams back then 
It's been like a think long about, time. think think about it this way, guys. If the Habs went undefeated for the rest of the season, they'd finish with 111 points. Right, undefeated. Like it, it, Thirty like straight games, thirty-two yeah. straight games. <laughs> seriously, yeah. I'm serious. They finished with 111 points. That wouldn't even put them in first place in the league. Finishing the season on a 32-game winning streak. I think at that point, you know, you can fi- finally say it's time to give up the ghost. And now, now that we've all kind of come to the consensus, I'm sure probably 90% of the fans out there feel the same way. The one thing that is going to I'm going to be watching in the standings to make sure Toronto does not make the playoffs. <laughs> if there's one salvation, the Montreal's not going to make it this year. <laughs> God, I hope Toronto doesn't make it either. I think they're going to be in, Mike, uh, looking at things. I know, the, I know they blew that lead against Pittsburgh last night, but uh, I think the Leafs are going to be in. I, I hope I'm wrong, too. I'd love to see the Leafs finish ninth every season, you know, good enough to make the playoffs and still getting that, you know, not a very good draft pick, draft choice selection in that middle bracket area that's to me that's perfect so yeah i hope uh, they finish in ninth but i don't see it happen i think they're going to sneak in this year it's bad enough i have to deal with all the boston fans around me but uh if i gotta deal with toronto fans now that are doing better than montreal i don't know if i can take it so guys what do you think went wrong this year with the team <laughs> mike uh you know what, well, what, are, what are your three big things that uh, the reason why the habs didn't get it done this year well the first thing, it's got to be the power play. I mean, I don't know. It, what like You look at the history in the last, what, three or four years of Montreal's power play has been like in the top five in the league. I think you can go back even further. I think it's been, you know, one of the top power plays, you know, for the last 10 seasons. And, you know, Andre Markov and Sheldon Surrey or Andre Markov and Mark Streit. Yeah. And, uh, James Wisniewski and you know Mark Andre Bergeron, Matthew Schneider—they've always had somebody on that back end scoring like crazy. And uh, and now the thirtieth, like that—that's it. Can't be all <laughs> down to Andre Markov. I mean, he, basically he hasn't played for the last two years. So I agree, but but they did bring in replacements those other times, right? They brought in Mark Andre Bergeron to you know to sustain it that one year, and they brought in James Wisniewski last year. And you know having that lethal shot definitely does bring draw those those. Penalty killing forwards up closer to the point, which gives you that more of a gap down low. So I'm not saying it's all Markov, but it's because they didn't really have that offensive force in the back end consistently. Right. Well, Markov is one of the things. I mean, but we've all, we're also missing a, like a sniper. I don't know who who do you rely on to score goals in the power play now. I mean, I know Cole is I think is leading the team with seven goals, but most of his are within six inches of the net, kind of thing, right? Yeah, but Cole leading with seven goals, I think Jacques Martin would tell you to check your stats. Maybe they should put Matthew Darsh back on the power play. <laughs> but, I mean... No, no, la- not again. <laughs> we did have Camilleri there who did half decent last year and the year before, and then we had uh, uh, maybe even Kovalev. I mean, as enigmatic as he was, at least you could rely on him for a few power play goals. So, I mean, so it just seems like we're missing everything, and that's the uh, Placanitz experiment there at the start of the year. I mean, I mean, that was <laughs> got to be one of the biggest disasters I've ever seen in a coaching strategy. And yeah, it did not work out well. So that, that's probably one of the, the, uh, the reasons for the kind of. What about you, Norm? What went wrong for Montreal this year? 
Well, certainly injuries have been a big factor, and, and it kind of ties in with what we were just uh, talking about, too. But uh, the loss of Markov has been a huge factor. But, you know, they've lost a number of other key people at times, too. I mean, right now we've got... Uh, I hate to lump... Uh, we got uh, Gomez, Camilleri, Gomez Gianca. in there too, but yeah, yeah, there were. But you know, when you add the numbers up, sure, it, it had it plays a big factor, and it's pressed some of the younger guys, especially on defense, into situations and and more time where they probably wouldn't have seen before, and then forced their GM to try and make uh, deals to to shore things up, and have and that can lead into an area too, right there. Some of the transactions he's made haven't uh, turned out at least so far, anyway. So. Yeah, there's there's a number of factors. It's just hard to pinpoint to, to any one thing. I, I agree with you, Norman. I do have to say, you know, about the defensive injuries and, uh, you know, the, how you're talking about the rookies having to play a much bigger role than expected. I think that can be, you know, we got to put a kind of a good spin on that and say, you know, it's a positive thing that, you know, Diaz is going to play probably close to 70 games this year and Emlyn's going to play close to 55 or 60. You know, we really didn't expect them to be playing, first of all, that many games combined, let alone the type of minutes they're playing as well. So, you know, I know it's a tough year for Habs fans. And, you know, I, I, I was very depressed in December and January, but I'm starting to get... Uh, you know, out of, the, out of that uh, depressed, depressing stage and being a lot more uh, positive. And I think having those young kids, getting those big minutes and is a great thing. I really hope we see Frederick Stintini back up after they trade a couple defensemen at the deadline because I'd like to see, what, you know, what that kid has to offer. Montreal got two shutouts with that defense once earlier on in the year when they had uh, Georges out as well, or Georges was the only uh, defenseman with over 100 games experience. They got a couple of shutouts. So I think uh, that, that is some positive stuff there for uh, the younger uh, the younger defenseman for the Canadians. Yeah, the, the defense has been a, it's been a story all year, but uh, uh, the young, young, like inexperienced defenseman kind of stepping up because like you say, we, We've either traded away a couple stalwarts like um, Hammerlick and Markov injured and Gill's minutes been diminished. So, uh, yeah, the, there's been a couple of revelations here with Diaz and Emelin for sure. Uh, what about you, uh, Jonathan? What is your uh, reason for failure this season? Um, I, I would say, you know, it's it's got to be guys not stepping up. If you look at other teams that have had major injuries this year, you know, especially Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you know, how many guys are those, how many guys and especially important guys that they've been out with injury? I know Malkin stepped up for the uh, Canadians. I know the or for the Penguins. I know Montreal doesn't have kind of Jenny Malkin, but it's just, it's the whole, you know, team mentality. When guys are out and injured, great teams have guys that are going to step up and fill that role to ensure you get the wins. And Montreal is a good team, not a great team. Hopefully one day they can be a great team like a Pittsburgh or Philadelphia where they can lose, you know, just as many man games to injuries with even greater players with, you know, Claude Giroux out in Philadelphia and they lost their captain as well and Chris Pronger. And they're still right there battling for the for first place in the uh, Eastern Conference. There are a couple points out, but look at what Philadelphia has done and look what Pittsburgh's done without their best players for almost the whole year as well. Yeah, there's a... There's definitely been a few players that have disappointed this year, and uh, I mean, one of my favorite players, Thomas Placanis. I don't think he's having a stellar season, uh, especially lately. The last couple of months, I mean, his scoring has dropped off significantly. So, I mean, when when you're we you have guys like well, Camilleri's gone, but uh, Gianta's out, and Gomez is. I mean, he's Gomez. You can't rely on him for toll loss. Placanis has got to step up. He's got to be one of the 
the leaders in the team and just lately he hasn't been doing it. Yeah, and he hasn't been able to find the back of the night. He's been, whether you want to call it snake bitten or whatnot, I think he has like, you know, two or three goals in the last 20 games. Yeah. You know, I I don't think, I I think since the beginning of December, you know, he might have, he might have, he might have only scored like four goals or five goals. So, yeah, he's, you're right. He started out the season, you know, on decent rate and usually he he plays well until the last maybe month of the season but it seems like he's tailed off here pretty quick but you know what i i don't want to knock thomas placanitz too much so i still think he might score 20 goals this year and that would be six consecutive seasons with 20 goals for that guy i can't remember the last montreal canadians player to have six consecutive 20 goal seasons so he's not the number one you know go-to center that you know you need to to you need in your lineup to be a champion uh, unless you have incredible depth like the Boston Bruins but um, you don't want to knock Thomas Placanitz too much because he is a great number 1A or number 2 guy and if Montreal ever does get that right center to play above him he's going to become you know quite a threat in this league playing against you know second pairing defensemen yeah I wonder who was the last guy to get six 20 goal seasons in a row I, I, I can't think if it would be. Like, if he does score 20 this year, I know he's still got halfway to go, but I think he could score 10 more goals in the next uh, 30 games or so. You got any idea who that could be, Norm? No, nobody's Stephane leaping Richer, to mind. Maybe? <laughs> yeah, he, he, actually, that was a name that came to mind, too. But I, I'm, I think that uh, might be going back a little too far. But Yeah. <laughs> but then again, maybe not. Uh, yeah, maybe Vincent Dafus. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Uh like, and if you look at the kind of the production of a, a lot of the players, really the only players that have done decent in the last while is that one line with Dearne and Pacioretty and Cole, right? Yeah, you got to just love Eric Cole. What what a free agent signing! I, I love the guy. I, I don't know if I've actually enjoyed watching anyone play um, as much as I have with him him this year. You know, except for those first ten or twelve games when. You know, he wasn't. He didn't show up and wasn't being played right by Jacques or whatever the reason was. Maybe he was out of shape for those first couple games. But he is just a horse. I, I just love watching him play. He excites me to the nth degree, he, to more than any other roster does right now, other than Price, of course, especially in the shootout uh, that he was in the All-Star game. That was pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, i, I got to admit, Eric Cole has been – he is way past my expectations because, I mean, he's always been a guy that I hated playing against ever since uh, – I don't know if he was a rookie or second, third-year guy when we played him in, in the playoffs, like, uh, I don't know, it was 10 years ago or something. And he's always been kind of a, a player who's played well against Montreal, and I've always hated him for that. But I didn't expect him to, you know, kind of lead the league or lead the team in scoring and be kind of our go-to guy. I just thought he'd be kind of a secondary scoring type player. But he's been he's been the MVP the last uh, month or so. At least, oh, for yeah. the, at least for the forwards, anyway. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah, I, I was kept. I mean, the the talk's been going on lately that uh, somebody ought to consider giving putting a letter on his uh, jersey this year. He's been that much of a leader. <laughs> a- yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I can't. You know what? Actually, the first time I the first time I heard that, I agree a hundred percent. I'd be putting an A on Eric Cole's sweater some point this year, and probably the beginning of next year for sure. Everything he's done has shown leadership. You know, he works hard all game long. He drives the net, which is exactly what you want to see from a big forward. I'm not sure if uh, – I think you might have brought up the uh, that he invited the whole team over for dinner when he was in Carolina. I all, I know we all know about the Louis LeBlanc story in Anaheim when he gave LeBlanc's credit card and told him to fly his parents down to watch his first game. He is right. a leader and the perfect kind of guy you want to have in the locker room. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, for sure. He's been uh, he's been one of the lone bright spots. Well, uh, since we kind of uh, went through maybe the reasons for disappointment, we all agree that that Montreal should or will be sellers at the trade deadline. Maybe we can get into uh, who would have some value and maybe who's going to be on the outs. Well, one guy I think uh, is, is going to be traded is going to be Hal Gill. It's going to be tough to see that guy go because he's another guy who you just live in the dressing room. And I, I, I disagree with a lot of people. Not very many people agree with me that they think. Uh, I think Hal Gill's worth a first-round pick. I'm not saying they're going to get a first-round pick from a team that's battling for a playoff spot, but maybe a first-round pick from one of those elite teams that's really looking to improve their penalty kill. Uh, the teams that I, th- I think specifically that would be really interested in him um, would be the Chicago Blackhawks and San Jose Sharks, who both have terrible penalty kills. And adding a guy like Hal Gill down there on the back end who can really swallow things up in terms of that cross-crease pass would be very valuable. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about Hal Gill? You th- what do you think he's worth? Uh, he, well, I, I, could, I can almost confirm he's gone for sure. I mean, the, the talk out there is is that he's going to be, like, the first one gone. I, his, his contract is up at the end of the year, I believe, isn't it? It is, yeah. They only signed him to a one-year extension. Yeah, so he's a, he's a he'll be a rental, and I'm sure he'll get a one-year contract at the end of the year. So he's going to be he's going to be gone for sure. And uh, uh, I can pretty much guarantee we'll never get a first-round pick for Al Gill. <laughs> first-round picks, uh, especially nowadays, are they're like gold. Nobody will give those up, for so... I think we'll be lucky to get a second-round pick for him. Yeah, Michael, I, I agree with you there. They, they're, they're practically secret now. The, those type of picks you just don't give away unless you're getting a very high return in, in, in terms of like a very young talent to, or to your, go. Or your Brian Burke. Yeah, yeah, or that's, or, or you're more of a gambler, the, yeah. the riverboat style. But, uh, but I, I agree with both of you in that Gill is certainly uh, number one on on the Habs list for players most likely to be dealt. It's just the value in return. Uh, I do like Jonathan's suggestions, though, in terms of destinations. Those are are a couple of good ones. Possibly even Vancouver. They may be a team that would look to upgrade their back end as well. It's going to be tough to say. I, I, it's just hard to see them getting as high value as what Jonathan thinks uh, they can get because of our GM, you know? Uh, I just don't think Coach A is, has the ability to turn someone like that into a first-round pick unless we're throwing a lot of other formerly drafted uh, uh, first-round picks like some of the, the prime, prime talent that the Habs already have in the pipeline, and I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. No, I, I, I think we'll be lucky to get a second-round pick, and uh, it'll probably be something like a third-round pick or something. I can... I can see because he, he's going to be a rental, and and uh, nobody's going to, going to want to give up too much for that. Right, that's so, what I'm setting my expectations at anyway. So if we all agree, Hal Gill is gone. Uh, who do you think uh, Norm would be the next one on the list of uh, possible possible trade trade bait? Uh, well, if he's healthy enough as the uh, deadline comes up, I'd say Travis Mullen would be the next most likely candidate to go. He's He, again, has got some Stanley Cup uh, experience with being on a winner and being in a significant penalty-killing role. Uh, he's got the size and the toughness. Uh, you know, from everything I've, I've read and heard about, he, you know, he's a good locker room guy as well. He's not that old. Uh, relatively healthy. I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not completely clear on what's ailing him at the moment. They're... So far, things have been kind of hushed on that. But what if do you it's mean? something that they've been uh, crystal clear, it's an upper body injury. What else? Do you yeah, need to know? right. What well, else do you need to know? 
Well, if, I, I, if, if it were as easy as that, I'd, I'd join the medical uh, profession if I could just <laughs> hand out diagnoses like that. I, I'd make a, I'd make a mint at it. But yeah. no, uh, uh, I, I'd certainly expect he's going to be the next most likely candidate to go, and, and for good reasons. And for, for somebody like him, somebody who may very well stick around if you're uh, pushing him to a good contending team, uh, maybe they might give up a, a, as high a, a pick as a second rounder. I think there's some potential there. Yeah, I think Travis Mullen does. He brings a lot to the table. I mean, uh, he's not going to score you a, a ton of points. I mean, he'll chip in here and there. But uh, like you say, he's great on the penalty kill. He's an energy guy. Chips in with points. Maybe a third line kind of winger. So, uh, and plus the Stanley Cup experience. I mean, he was on the line with Anaheim and. Uh, I think it was Rob Niedermeyer and and what was the name of that Swedish? Sammy show? Paulson. Sammy Paulson, yeah. I mean, they wow. were they were excellent in the cup run. So he'll definitely bring uh, bring some value. He'd probably bring more than Hal Gill, I, I think, in my mind. You guys could be right, and I, I, I do agree that Travis Mullen definitely brings that perfect pedigree that every team's going to be looking for. He's got he's Canadian. A, a lot of GMs are going to look for that. I, I'm not not trying to be a xenophobe or anything like that. Maybe it's because um, you're from Kingston or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Don Cherry taught me yeah. well, I guess. Right. Um, but he's Canadian. He's got that good playoff pedigree. You know, he's t- he's a tough kid. He's an Alberta boy. You know, he's got all that type of stuff going for him. Um, he's he's having a good year offensively this year. So definitely agree. He's got some value. Um, yeah. I, I know there were a bunch of. I, I, I I'm not trying from, to bring that. I think he's from Saskatchewan, isn't he? Oh, sorry, Saskatchewan. You're right. I believe you're Prairie, correct. Prairie he's boy. A Western, he's a Western boy, though, for sure. Yeah. Grew up on yeah. a farm or something, probably. Well, yep. Do you guys think? Okay, I know you guys don't think that Hal Gill's worth a first round pick. Do you think? Uh, do you think Andre Kostitsin is worth a first round pick if they were to move him at the deadline? Well, he was my next guess because he's a he's a UFA too at the end of the year. He is correct. So uh, he would definitely now. If he was having a, a great season, I think for sure, he, like he's got the potential to bring our first round pick. But I mean, he he's not he's, he's been hot and cold as usual this year. So I don't I still don't think someone will give a first round pick for him. Uh, would you guys have said last year though that uh, that Chris Versteeg would pick up a first round pick? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I or mean, what about Mike Fisher? Would you have said he's worth a first round pick? Because oh, both of those guys got first round picks last year. Yeah. Now you bring you bring up Fisher, and and that's like the the possible only destination. I mean, his team would be the only destination where I think that might work. I could see a Nashville offering up a rounder for a Kostitsin just for the brother factor, and and the most you know the the fact that not the fact, but you know hedging their bets and making it more likely that uh, Sergey's been talking up how great it is living down in in Nashville area and and. That uh, there's you know strengthen the chance of Andre signing there as as, as a UFA or or before he becomes a UFA. And he's always no. talking about how uh, how the team is so great and they're all friends down there and a great atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, it might be an easier sell that way. And so that like if especially if Nashville's shown that ability to uh, or that willingness to try and. Uh, the, uh, trade off some picks because they they've got some decent depth in their farm system too. They can kind of afford it at this point if they think they're going to get somebody who's going to help uh, push them over that edge. And last year, it, you know, it arguably, uh, it paid off because I mean they got out of the first round, which they'd never done before. Right. Yeah, yeah arguably you're right. Yeah, they did get out of the first round. No, they lost to the Sharks a couple times in the playoffs before, but they managed to yeah, they managed to get by last year. And this year they got uh, they I think they're they're going to have to go for. It. I mean. Uh, 
I heard talk about them, you know, they weren't sure if they're going to be sellers or not, but uh, they kind of committed to going for it. And the fact that they're going to lose either Sutton, Suter, or, or Weber in the near future, so I'm sure they're going to have to go for it now. Yeah, that sucks to be a fan of a small market team because, you know, imagine if Montreal had those guys in their system, they'd lock them up forever, you'd hope. Uh, and Weber, well, if there's one player in the in the league, one defenseman, man, I love that guy. I would love to be able to get him. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd love Shea Weber or or Sutter for sure. I'd, like I'd throw the world at him this summer if, if he became a UFA. Oh yeah, Zach Zach Parise too. Like I, I'd offer them, you know. So, like, I, I, I'd bury Gomez in the minor so fast and then offer. Them <laughs> oh, whatever. exactly. Like people worry about the cap space and stuff like that. Just sign guys and worry about the cap afterwards. You know, if you if you can sign a superstar, then you know you take them. Yeah, and uh, Weber, he's he's everything. Uh, I love that guy. So if we could get him, I'd be jumping for joy. But uh, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, but on that <laughs> on that theme, though, uh, I mean, if you, what do you think the chances of, uh, say, Montreal packaging another uh, younger defenseman as a little bit of insurance about losing one of those guys, like a Yannick Weber? What if what if uh, the Habs were to offer Weber and Kostitsin for a first rounder? How would that sit with you guys? Oh, I, I'd take that for sure. I mean, uh, both of those guys are. I mean, Weber, he's not going. He doesn't have long with Montreal. I mean, he's he's kind of on the fringes now, and uh, we've got so many defensemen. So, uh, you know, he'd be perfect trade bait. And uh, losing Kostitsin, you know, I uh, I wouldn't shed too many tears. So if we could get a first rounder, you know, I'd be happy with that. Me too. I love the sounds of that. If you can find a team that'll, you know, what Montreal. I know people say, are they a buyer or a seller? They're both. They're going to be selling their current active players, and they should be buying draft picks and and young prospects, prospects for sure, much as possible. Yeah. Like that. So that, in my opinion, they're both. You, they should be moving anybody that that somebody gives an offer for that's not considered a young player or prospects. You know, anybody that's twenty six years of age or older, pretty much with the Hab system. And, yeah. You know, if you're if you're old, older than that. I'd move them. You know what I mean? If somebody gives you the right price and the right prospects coming back, it's time to rebuild. So if Montreal can pick up, you know, even if they, if they even if they pick up three or four second round picks and they trade combine those two to pick up a couple first round picks in this draft, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, speaking on that subject, because uh, we kind of talked to the obvious possible trade baits. What uh, what would you guys think about the the PK Subban rumors that were going around there? Because uh, I just shook my head when people were saying that Montreal was ready to give up on him or trade him. And that, that's that got to be the most ridiculous comments I've ever heard. If Montreal traded Subban away, I, I just... I got one name for you, Mike, if that happens. One name, Chris Chelios. It's going to be Chris Chelios all over again. He'll Montreal, and he'll play a 20-year career. He'll pick up three or four Norris trophies. If that, I, absolutely not. I would not trade P.K. Subban unless somebody threw the world at you, and yeah. that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? If if Holmgren picked up the phone tomorrow and said, we'll trade you Claude Giroux for P.K. Subban, okay, i do that in a heartbeat. But trade P.K. Subban for anything less than a superstar, and you're blowing it. Yeah. You don't take, you don't, you don't, we don't want another uh, Chris Chelios for Denny Savard, where Savard plays, you know, three seasons and is injured the whole time for the Habs because he's at the end of his career. Montreal should have drafted Denny Savard instead of Doug Wickenheiser, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Subban, uh, I mean, I, I'm not his biggest fan, but I can see the potential. That guy is going to be a stud defenseman for years to come, and, and we don't have a whole lot of prospects with that kind of quality, so. There's, uh, if there's there's no way they should ever give up on that guy unless, like you say, they, someone offers them the world. So, 
I don't know. I don't know where the rumors were coming from. I don't know if it was a slow news day and people were just looking for something. But uh, that was... it's not a slow news day. It's the it's the it's the French media in Montreal. It's Francois Gagnon and those guys on that antichambre. That all they like to do is talk about trading PK now because his value is the highest. They're absolutely insane. The value is the highest. Hope... It's just going to get higher and higher every exactly. Year. <laughs> it, it's it's insane. I, that should be a non-issue. If yeah. Goche ever did that, I, he'd be shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would, uh, yeah. He wouldn't be able to show his face in Montreal. I don't think too much. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I'm completely with you guys on that. No, there's no way they need to. They need to work with Subban more. Whether it's through the role, whether it's through um, another mentor or something. I, I'm not. I'm not the one to decide that. But you know, something. He's got a lot of a lot more learning to look to go to to get to a, a, an elite level or. Or at least to improve upon where he's on this season. And it's been a down season for him. But I think we'll all admit that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, his potential is, is, is huge. And, and you're right. I, I, Chris Chelios is the exact same person I liken him to at this point. I mean, they both kind of burst onto the scene as, as rookies, you know, and, and help their teams get, uh, get pretty well into the playoffs and in their first seasons. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you just can't uh, you can't give up on them. I think it's the other teams in the league who are uh, trying to uh, hoping that that the French media are the ones that are uh, generating this stuff so that they get a chance at them. But yeah, you know, I read they... I read a Chris Chelios uh, quote recently, actually, about how you know he, he knew that he was a little bit immature when he was in Montreal. And the hilarious thing about it is when Montreal traded Chelios, I think he was 26 years old. You know what I mean? And, and he talked about how he was a little bit immature in Montreal. And then the next year after he got traded, he got married and settled down. Like, t- we're talking about a 26-year-old. P.K. Subban's 22. Right. Okay? Second right. year. Second year in the Second year in the NHL. He is, he is a baby in the NHL. Yeah. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to need to get his attitude in check sometimes. He's going to take a couple more of these slew footing penalties. And then, you know, the coaches are going to rip into him once in a while. And that's what coaches do. I'm, I'm glad to see it happen. I'm glad to see them bench him, bench him once in a while and talk to him. As long as they're keeping that communication line open and they're explaining to him what he did wrong perfect yeah you know what i mean you don't want them sitting him on the bench and not telling him what he did wrong like we thought thinks we think jacques martin did as long as they're keeping those communication lines open and they're telling him what he did wrong perfect yeah for sure i uh, i agree 100 percent. so i think we're all in agreement there that uh he suban's not going anywhere he's he's one of the uh there's, there's not too many players on the team that i would say are are untradeable kind of right now that uh, I wouldn't trade it. And he is one of them. Him and him, Carey Price, maybe are, might be the only two, but uh, they're, they're definitely, uh, there's no way we should get rid of those guys. One of the few bright spots. Uh, I think we kind of went through the uh, possible possible trade bait uh, for the for the upcoming trade deadline, so uh, maybe we'll go around and uh, go do some bits and bobs and any extras, uh, things you guys want to throw in that uh, we might have missed over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, just on general hockey discussion, uh, one thing I'd like to talk about is Eric Carlson. I'm not sure if you guys get to watch the Senators too much, but this kid's leading defenseman in points, and he is amazing to watch. Uh, I know I think he's a little bit older than PK, um, but they're both young defensemen, not to bring PK back into the conversation. But this Eric Carlson kid, if you get the chance to watch any Ottawa games, that he is pure magic. He's the Pavel Datsuk of defensemen. Yeah, I... The only thing I remember about him, I haven't seen him too much this year, although uh, I do know that he's been doing, you know, really well. 
With Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I think last year, I, I watched him quite a bit last year, and he was like a turnover machine. Oh, and he <laughs> still is. Oh, yeah. he still makes huge mistakes. Yeah. But it's all worth it. And, and that's, that's what you got to look at from the P.K. Subban point of view as well. All of this is going to be worth it. And even when he continues to make huge mistakes, the amount of off and the creativity it inspires in your team is incredible. Yeah. You never want to stifle it. Yeah, exactly. You can always uh, you can always get a stay-at-home kind of defenseman to, to to partner him. I mean, they're they're a lot easier to come by. But when you have a defenseman who's got offensive talent, you gotta you gotta nurture that as much as possible. So, he, yeah, he he has been uh, been a great uh, surprise for Ottawa this year. And another guy you got to look at too, and I'm I'm just when you brought up that PK Subban thing, just makes me think about all the other young defensemen in the league. Like, what does Drew Doughty have this year? Like, 23 points, 25 points in Los Angeles. Yeah, and he's and he's like four years older than PK, three or four years older. So you just got to give these guys time. The last thing you want to do is panic and give away a, 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 a potential number one. Well, Drew Doughty is a is a really good example because he uh, he come on in his rookie season. And he was like this big revelation, and uh, you know he went to the Olympics, and uh, he was like he was the darling of Canadian hockey there for a while. And and last year he had a down year, and he's having another down year this year. I mean, I think he's come back a little bit, but uh, you never hear anybody talking about him being uh, a trade bait and what's wrong with him. I mean, he should be benched and this and that. And you know, I don't know if it's the fact that he's in uh, Los Angeles and nobody cares or what, but. Just, and my apologies, actually. Drew Doughty and PK are actually the same age. Drew just seems like he's a lot older because it's his fourth NHL season this year. So right. my apologies there. PK Subban and Drew are about the same age, but uh, Drew Doughty's been in the league for this is his fourth season. Right. He came in right out of uh, junior. Like, as Correct. A, yeah, that's why I was confused. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was drafted immediately after Stamkos, and he made the team right away yes. as an 18. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's an interesting comparison. So he's got a little more. They're, while they're physically the same age, he's got more experience and perhaps a little more maturity too than uh, than PK at this point in his life, anyway. Yeah, and uh, and like I say, he was he was the next uh, he was the next great hope there for for Canadian hockey, but uh, if you don't see people kind of bringing him down as a huge disappointment now, everyone's just saying, oh well, he's young and he needs to learn, and but you know. I don't know. It's frustrating that they don't give that kind of slack to PKs who win. And I think as yeah. long as as long as the fans continue to give them that slack, you know what I mean. I don't want to see PK Subban getting booed anytime in the next two or three years in Montreal. I hate seeing guys get booed. You know, I, no, once no. in a while I wish we'd see Bob Gainey come back out again and call those fans yellow because it'd be fun to see. Booing the whole team is different. I have no problem with somebody, you know, booing the Habs off the ice at the end of a period when they, you know, look like they've just absolutely mailed it in. But picking on an individual guy, especially a young kid, it's disgusting. Yeah, I can't stand it. On your own team, that there's no reason for that. Yeah, I agree there. So you got anything else, Norm, uh, you want to throw in before we, we call it a night? Uh, no, I think I'm all set for uh, for this evening. All right. Sounds like a plan. It was nice chatting with you, gents. Yeah, there's a... Uh... I guess uh, we'll get back together in a couple weeks, and uh, and maybe uh, I'll send you guys a couple of tickets to spring another winning uh, <laughs> winning streak for these guys. Yeah, that was a pretty fun game, Norman. I got to see. It was it was hilarious. I cannot believe Montreal put up seven against the big bad wings. 
Well, I was I was telling my wife there. I said uh, it was seven two scoreline Montreal Detroit. I was thinking I was having these really bad flashbacks about <laughs> from like nineteen ninety five. You thought Jimmy Howard was going to go tell Mike Babcock he wasn't going to play again? <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, that they, was they pulled him though. Yeah, yeah, they they handled it the right way. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the Habs uh, coach didn't at the time. Yeah, it was it was something. It was special that, uh, and quite the the wonderful coincidence that we both ended up at the same uh, game at the same time. Because I only get to Montreal once every two three years, maybe because I'm not that close, uh, not as close as you certainly. So uh, and it was tr- uh, certainly a treat too in such a down year for uh, for us to watch uh, a, a good exhibition at least. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. Pretty fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. One quick that... question for you guys. Back on that Patrick Waugh thing from that uh, Red Wings Canadians game many years ago. Right. If Montreal keeps Patrick Waugh for yeah. those next five or six, six or seven years that he played in the league, how many more cups would they have now? Uh, that's a tough one. Ooh. I don't know. I don't think they would have been a, any dynasty by any means. But uh, Oh, I no think... dynasty. But would they have won another cup, you think? I think there's a good chance they might have won one more. I think so, too. I think one or two. Like Patrick Waugh, he just got it done. Yeah, he was he was clutch, man. He was uh, there's there was no one like him. There's nothing like living in the past, eh? Yeah, I still. Uh, <laughs> this wasn't when he was in with Montreal, but I still love that comment about uh, Jeremy Roenick giving him lip, and he says, uh, "You know, I can't hear him because I have my two Stanley Cups plugging my ears." Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the reporter asked him about the quote. He's like, yeah, we had uh, Patrick's jackstrap hanging up there at the top of the United Center. And then Patrick said, I couldn't hear what Jeremy said because I had my two Stanley Cup rings shoving my ear. <laughs> I, still, I still can't stop laughing when I hear that one. That's, it's the best. Yeah. He, he was a great chirper. Well, you oh, got to admit, sure. he would, uh, if he ever comes and he's a coach of Montreal, he'd be a good quote at least. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see a little lead into Patrick Waugh becoming the head coach. Maybe Montreal will trade Andre Kostitsin and uh, Weber to Nashville for the rights to Alexander Radulov. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> well, there you I, go. Maybe you I'm can, just I'm just kidding. That's just my dream world. You've been yeah. a fantasy manager there, fantasy there general go. manager. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll call it quits here, and uh, we'll get back together in a couple weeks, boys. Sounds like a plan. All right. Nice talking to you. Later. Have a good one. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 07.